Hello again. This is the Uninformed Handball Hour. This is Brian Campion speaking to you. And I'm joined by Chris O'Reilly and Alex Kulesh. And today we're going to talk about everything that's coming from or coming out of uh, Spain at the <laughs> IHF World Championship 2021. And of course, we have our reporter on the ground, Chris O'Reilly, who's been waking his way around Spain, making everybody <laughs> jealous with his Instagram posts. Uh, so I don't want to give you too many compliments today, Chris, because I thought... And I saw your post, I was like, okay, he's going to get one compliment and then I'm going to grill him for the rest of it because you seem to be having a great time over there enjoying the sun yes. and the mild weather. I can't wait weather. for the one compliment. Excellent. That's, uh, it's coming up later. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if that intro hasn't given it away, we've gone from recording early in the morning to recording at half past 11 at night. We'll see which one works out better over the next half an hour or so. <laughs> but yeah. Because you never... You never would have given me the introduction at eight o'clock in the morning. I know for, yeah. We've tried that before. Uh, so, holy shit. I just wrote it in a piece there. Uh, enthralling matches or exciting matches at Spain 2021 are like waiting for buses. You wait and wait and wait and then they all come at once. And uh, that's happened in the last couple of days. The oldest sports metaphor in the book i had to use it once in this championship well, we all kind of knew that this was the day that the tournament started right uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know like looking at the teams that qualified we i think we predicted all of them right um i suppose sweden or netherlands was the only discussion and that's where the biggest game of the tournament came from that group and uh, it's really kind of heartbreaking that like the three best and our three most entertaining matches came from the same three teams, and one of them had to go home after this. Like Netherlands, the best ninth place finisher of all time, I think it's fair to say. Let's talk about that game because I think we were all watching it. The Netherlands and Norway for a while there, it looked like Netherlands were going to run away with it. Eleven uh, five in the first quarter. Yeah, they were on their metaphorical bikes uh, without any cliches about many more Dutch people. It looked, uh, it looked really, really good. And then I was thinking, God, this is, this is, uh, it's a little bit too good to be true. And this kind of, this always seems to happen when you have a Dutch, uh, Norwegian game. The Dutch always seem like, oh, the Dutch are going to finally, you know, they're going to run away with this. Not finally, though. They've beaten them before at this stage, but it did remind me of earlier, uh, matches from that rivalry where you think, oh, the Dutch are going to do it now. Do you know, we got a good, a good head of, built up a good head of steam and then, uh-oh, S- uh, Silly Solberg pops up and uh, starts put, throwing a spanner in the in the works. And uh, she really, I think, turned it tight uh, once they had that 11-5 lead. And she was kind of the the catalyst in this, in it kind of turning around. That's what it felt like to me anyway. Uh, I think there was one other catalyst there. And that is potentially the best player in the world who, for some reason, still can't get a starting place in Nor- in the Norwegian team. Henny Reistad came in and just dominated. Seriously, wh- wh- why why don't they just build around Reistad? Like, what? Well, she is the best player in the world. She's proved it. 
And for some reason, she still sat on the bench for the first 15 minutes. I don't know if she's done something naughty in the team or <laughs> she's just being punished. Because, yeah, I mean, what do you have to do? Be the MVP of the Final Four and single-handedly win the Champions League and then single-handedly save your team uh, from elimination. Yeah, she is the best eighth player in the world. <laughs> I think uh, the, the reason could be that she might just be really annoying because <laughs> she <laughs> she does sing, I've heard a lot, uh, and annoy a lot of people. So, no, but seriously. But <laughs> I do wonder if it's something maybe to do with, she is, I mean, she is only 22. And I think we kind of, when I was watching the game today, it, it was her and House here on the other side were popping up. And I was thinking, God, yeah, House here is great for her age. And I was thinking they're actually the same age. And somehow House here seems a lot younger than than she actually is, so maybe it's a it's a it's a, a tactical thing to ground her a little bit, not a let, not let her get her, her head in the, in the clouds. Because you do hear from some other players when you talk to them off the record that they'd say that she's a little bit over selfish uh, with the ball, and maybe it's a a bit of a, a, a tactical kind of um, keep her head out of the clouds. Yeah, in other words. And she might be really annoying with all her annoying singing after after. I think she's lovely. But anyway, it is an interesting thing about this, this Norwegian team that starts all the time. It's like three players who are all like they're not the biggest. Um, they all play a certain way in terms of breaking down a defense. Um, and then you throw on Rystad, and she just like throws throws the playbook out the window and just does it herself. And maybe that annoys. To rear her guys in a bit. It's like, I don't need any tactics. <laughs> Just give me the ball. Uh, because she's so good. And yeah, without her. And also Camilla Harem today was brilliant as well. Made a, a number of steals. And eight goals for her as well. I think the only one she missed was one that hit the post from full court. She was so reliable. And, and wing shooting at this championship hasn't always been at the best. But she's just so reliable there. But at the end of the day, it was Norway's depth that kind of shown through here it's it's a classic story to be able to bring on Celia Solberg and Reistad and change the game is something that no other handball team in the world can afford and you, you could tell because uh, actually for Netherlands Tess Wester had a really good start but then she kind of disappeared for a, a good half an hour in the middle then turned up at the end again and the Netherlands didn't have a goalkeeper to just switch in, you know, when form drops, there's no one there to, to step up. The same with, uh, as you men- mentioned, House here was really on fire at the start. Then when she came off, that derailed the Netherlands a little bit until Smiths came on and was fantastic. But uh, still, apart from that yeah. miss at the very end, which uh, kind of ruined the whole thing. Yeah, poor Inger Smith's like five goals in the second half. Then she hits the crossbar. Then she hits the post on the fast break. It just like goes from hero to zero uh, all in, in one go. And so I was in the arena watching France tear apart the uh, Russian Handball Federation, but watching the game on uh, on stream with uh, the Swedish commentary. And they were really panicking with 10 minutes to go because they knew the situation that a, a draw with 32 goals apiece or more for each team would knock Sweden out. And uh, with 10 minutes to go, basically there was like a goal between the sides, two goals, one goal, two goals. And they're just like, I've got a bad feeling about this <laughs> because they were talking a lot beforehand about when 
Sweden and Denmark in 2004 in the Football Euro, played a 2-2 draw for both of them to go through and knock Italy out. And that's like a famous Scandinavian sporting moment. So they were wondering if the Norwegians were going to do that onto the Swedes. But uh, thankfully, the Norwegians were just greedy enough to want to win the group on their own. I have to give one last props uh, for that game, and that is to Danik Snelder, who, for me, is she is the female version of Adrian Shipos. I don't know. I don't think we talk about like the shithousers in women's handball enough. And I really think that Danik Snelder is the ultimate shithouser. She really wants to hurt people. She's dragging people out. She She's fantastic to watch. And unfortunately, in this game, it actually cost Netherlands the game a little bit. She got two, two minutes at the end. One was the first one was my favorite because she was smiling as she was going off. She knew she tore <laughs> down the line player. She knew she pulled that jersey and destroyed her and this time didn't get away with. So she was smiling as she was coming off. And that, that's just a beautiful shithouse moment. And she's terrifying as well when she thinks she's been wrongly done. So I wouldn't really want to be messing with her when uh when she feels like she's been sent off for the wrong reason because there was one two minutes she got and she really didn't it was she stayed in front of the player it didn't really look like a whole lot and she just gave the absolute absolute daggers to the referee and I was saying I was thinking I, I wouldn't want to be that ref to be honest I think what is her saving grace in this regard is that she's a good attacker as well that's what sets her aside from <laughs> the likes of Adrian Sipos uh, <laughs> people kind of overlook how, how, how what she does in defence uh, the dark arts because she's quite a, a good attacker. But yeah, so the, the Dutch are out. World champions uh, cannot defend their title anymore. Sweden on to face France and Norway. For me, it seems like they've got the easiest quarterfinal all of a sudden against the Russian Handball Federation. I don't know how much of these two teams you guys have seen. I've watched a bit of Russia. Um, and while they're still good, you know, they're, they're, they are... Um, a quality team you can see that they're missing their stars and it does it takes longer than four months to learn how to play without a an Anna Vyakirva so um, that's been a challenge and I, I don't know if they have the full kind of togetherness to, to get over it in this championship there's a lot of good players there and they will still be a force but yeah, it's, and also Dara Dimitrieva yeah, is out as well. Uh, that's two huge players to have uh, missing. Uh, and today against France, they they were fairly outclassed. I think it's fair to say, like the the French uh, steamed ahead to like a nine goal lead halfway through the second half, and then took the foot off the gas a little five goal difference in the end. But uh, the French also looking very good, almost. Uh, you know, too good in attack. Like when when things click for them, it looks really, really nice, and they they play beautiful handball. But when things don't work out, and I don't know if it's just because they're they're over egging the pudding a little bit because they can uh, in these games. But uh, I'm interested to see, particularly against the the Swedes and their center block and defense, uh, how they'll get on because it'll be for me that's going to be the biggest. Uh, most entertaining quarterfinal the Sweden against France Arsene Wenger syndrome trying to walk it in that's it they are the arsenal of handball <laughs> uh, but, but they just play such be- I mean the thing is they, I think they can 
turn it on and just like because they they are physically amazing as well they're so fast um their backcourt is really good the line players like Foppa is getting better and better yeah. but yeah they haven't yeah i don't know i need to see them drawing with a minute or two to go just to see how much gut they've got after winning that olympic gold <laughs> yeah because i watched i only watched some uh some segments of the game today against russia <clears throat> and every time i was tuned in i was like god they're really tearing up that middle uh of uh of the russian defense and i kept going back to it and go god there's four again popping up and then i saw a tune in right at the end i saw she picked up player of the match so kind of my little segments of the game kind of i think gave a pretty good summary of what actually happened but uh yeah, so when they do get going, their attack looks absolutely terrifying. And Russia looked a little bit lost. As soon as the attack came down to, oh, we're not in a fast break anymore, they kind of didn't really know where to go. And it just kind of, it didn't look very uh, very pretty at all. So I think, yeah, Norway would be huge, huge favourites. It could be a very similar game, actually, to the Russia-France game. I think so. So we'll, we'll make our predictions on, on these games uh, at the end of the podcast. But uh, before we move on to the other side of the draw with the, the quarterfinals taking place on Tuesday, we're going to go to a pair of interviews, uh, which I did a few days ago uh, with the Danish team, with Louise Burgard and Jesper Jensen, the coach. And although these took place before the Germany game, I think they're very, they're still very current. Most of the chat was about the championship as a whole, but it's also quite funny to hear what they had to say about the Germany game now that we've seen the Germany result, and we'll talk about that after these interviews. Were you playing that game over there with TV2, was it, where you're remembering the scores? <laughs> uh, no, I should actually just uh, just write it, so it was not really a game. But, uh, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> but I, I think it's a nice signature of just how, on paper at least, how well this championship has gone so far for the team. It's been uh, a series of dominant victories, but from your perspective and the playing side, how would you sum up the first week at the championship? Um... In a really Danish way, I would say we performed pretty good. We are pretty humble in Denmark, uh, but I'm really proud of my team. Um, the last uh, championships, we have been like really crawling with the end of our nails to really be in the in the top and really fight for the quarterfinals and everything. And now we were already qualified uh, two games before uh, the main round ended. So I'm just really, really proud. And it's really good feeling to have this base and like we can focus on other things too yeah it really is unlike this team right to be uh, <laughs> to be so confident and to be going through with so little drama yes yes actually but also uh, I think we we all are really excited for the next matches and that will prove where we stand mentally if we are capable of winning also the close matches yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good point about the close matches. Do you feel like already at this point you would have liked something that looked a bit tighter towards the end to maybe test the, the gut a little bit because it's been relatively straightforward? Yeah, we actually talked about that, but I think it's a pretty big luxury problem to have this conversation about if we should have any more tough matches. No, because I think these matches could have been tougher or, or closer, but it was also our... Uh, way of being so superior that benefited us 
And in the, the first few minutes of both of the last couple of games, uh, uh, it was a bit dodgy, I guess, particularly in the last game where they, I think, were a 4-0 lead right at the start. Yeah. But um, is that maybe also buying into the fact that you're, you've had it so easy, well, relatively easy so far, that it takes a bit of time to settle in? Yeah, maybe. I, I cannot really explain why the last two matches were a little bit complicated in the beginning. When we saw the video this morning, it was not really about a lot in the game it was more about our sh uh, shots that were maybe a little bit uh, not too focused so like we all agreed on that we are still really confident and nobody stressed on the court even though we were behind with five, uh, four goals it was like okay we will still manage it and we know that we don't have to be the best in the first quarter we need to be the best over 60 minutes so yeah before the at the end of the the last game, uh, uh, the game before last, Althea was saying about the concept and how everyone is buying into that. Can you give a bit, little bit of insight, without giving too much away, of course, about what exactly the concept for Denmark is? And I guess it feels like uh, the base is very much in defense. Yeah, yeah, the defense is really important. We have uh, our two uh, line players and uh, Lina Haustel, who is. Uh, like the, the big um, stars of our defense who is uh, giving us other orders and everything. Then we have two uh, world-class goalkeepers, really important for us too. But I think our biggest strength is that uh, we are maybe not the best uh, start seven in the, the World Championship, but we are the best 16 players overall. So the more we can get all 16 in play, the more we think we can win. And that's also why we don't want to win the first 15 minutes. Like we want the other people, uh, the other teams to, to change or either play with the same so we can start, keep running and keep uh, pushing. And that is our biggest strength, I think. That's really interesting. And about the, the team as a whole, it feels like the confidence in the players and I guess the self-expression is, is a lot better than it was in the last few years. And I remember talking to Jesper when he took over the job. We said that feels like the biggest task, to let the players feel like they can express themselves uh, and not be tied too much in, in the, I guess the mode of having to win a game, which of course is the most important thing. But it feels like you are uh, enjoying it a lot more. Yeah, really. I... I really feel really confident and happy to be in this team and I think I, we owe it a lot to the staff who really established a really good atmosphere and really tried to point out the fact that uh, we need to really embrace our differences and maybe sometimes before in the national team I feel like I should be put in a box and try to be like somebody else or we needed to be in the concept instead of like I think Jesper is really trying to okay when Luis is on the court we have to play for with my strengths and when Mede is on the court we need to play with her strengths so we need to put ourselves in the in the good situations and I think that has made a really really big difference for us yeah it shows as well and now coming up with Germany next uh, both teams I guess without a huge deal of pressure you're both through to the quarterfinals already but still really important to, to try and get first place in the group uh, have you been able to see much of what they've done so far in the championship have you done any video on them yet uh, yeah I've watched like their match against Czech Republic and also gets Hungary but then my focus was on, on the other two teams so I'm looking forward to see uh, what they are coming with but I have a big expression uh, a big impression that they are really really strong and performed really really nice and 
they also really physical and they also want to run a lot. So I think uh, it will not be a plus 10 score, even though I hope so still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And over, overall, uh, coming into this championship, was there something in particular that the team is was looking to, to achieve? I mean, they came so close to a medal last year at home under very odd circumstances. Yeah. I guess as, as a group with Jesper in charge, this probably feels like the first proper championship with a real run-up to it as well. What exactly are you looking to, to get out of it? Yeah, we had a really big focus on our mental strength and uh, I think we worked a lot on that and I hope that now when we will play the the more tougher games that uh, that we will show that we have gained uh, some self-confidence and also a belief in us as a team and as individuals. And finally, uh, Joachim, who's behind the camera here, told me about an exchange the two of you have had where he's taken a bunch of photos of you and never caught you with your eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what, what is it there? Do, uh, do, are your eyes actually open or is it a case of, you know, if I don't know where I'm shooting, nobody does? Uh, I think my style of playing is a little bit uh, like, I don't know if it's the word in English, like kamikaze pilot <laughs> I am going for the defense like okay I jump and we will see what happens <laughs> and uh, yeah sometimes I think my eyes is closed I would still say that uh, I'm trying to to put the ball in the right corner and everything but uh, yeah I I'm a little bit uh, maybe too uh, into the moment sometimes <laughs> it goes a goal as long as it goes in yeah, yeah. exactly good stuff thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> all right Jesper the championship is going perfectly so far, but from your perspective, how would you sum up the last week or so? Yeah, it's been great for us. Uh, I think we've proved for some people around the team and also inside the team that we have been working well the last 12 months since the European Championship in Denmark. Uh, I think we've been improving a lot also and, and, and the results have been more than good and we are very satisfied where we are at this point. And in those 12 months since the Euro, I mean, you took over the job fairly shortly before that. Uh, how much more do you feel that this team is now a Jesper Jensen team and playing the way that you want them to? Yeah, the European Championship was not... Uh, we didn't have enough time to, to, to put in a real effort about changing things, so it was a little bit, uh, a little bit too much structure when we played the European Championship, but the last 12 months... I think the players have been working extraordinarily good because every training, every time we've been together, we've just been working our ass off just to to find small improvements, and we've been we've been developing the game uh, a lot, both in defense, especially in the fast break, and uh, and also in the attack. So so the the way we can play, the way we can uh, handle a game, uh, there are much more opportunities now, and therefore also much more fun to me to be a coach because. I have so much more possibilities inside the game. And in these uh, first few games, I mean, the, the victories themselves are very straightforward. I mean, was there any part of you hoping that there'd be a bit more of a, let's say, not a challenge, because of course they're challenges, but like a tighter conclusion to a game earlier on in the championship? Yeah, of course, we'd like to, to also try these uh, tight uh, closures in the games, but, but again, we've been doing great. We've been 
playing good, the results have been good, all the players have a good feeling going into these last uh, stages. So, so all in all, we're very satisfied. But of course, if it's 27-27 in the quarterfinal, then it would be nice to have tried that also before we, we get there. Yeah, exactly. We talked to Luisa Burgard earlier and I, we talked to you briefly last year about the idea of making the players feel a lot more uh, relaxed in their own style of play and expressing themselves a lot more. How much uh, have you felt that's come along in the last 12 months and what was the key to actually make that happen? Yeah, the key is to make the players know exactly what their A skills are and, and I think they've been doing very good. I think they are getting more comfortable about themselves what is their A game what is their B game and, and trying to keep within that and then also for the for the co-players to 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 give the chance for example for Louise to to do what she does best we have two right backs we have made a Tanbor is a great shooter and uh, we have uh, Louise is a great assist player with the line play and also to do the crossing for the others and and, and, and we cannot use Mede to do Luis's job and we cannot use Luis to do Mede's job so so all the players have to know about the other girls skills but also for themselves to know themselves better so, so I think that's maybe the the main thing about the Danish team right now is that we we're very very comfortable about what kind of skills the the, the players have one area of the game against Hungary I want to ask you about. It was early in that second half and I feel like it was stagnating a bit, the, the game itself. And then after 10 minutes, you just asked, I think it was five players to get up, start warming up. You took the timeout, you threw five of them on and played 7v6. Felt like a real kind of power play move to really shake things up. What was your mindset for that? Yeah, this was also the feeling. We have a lot of comfort to do it so. We've been training a lot on 7 against 6. We have one of the best players to... to to do it with Simone Peterson and 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 I think it's good also for us as a as a coaching team last and I that we have the belief in the players and and says that even though we're under pressure we still still believe that that could be a great effort in the game and then we did it also against South Korea they tried to go very offensive and and then we, we took the timeout to seven against six just for us to control the game so I think we've been been pretty comfortable about controlling the games. Uh, we like to 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 give our side of how to what kind of pace we have to play in, and the same we, we, we try to push the fast breaks. We try to do the seven against six if we don't like the other team's defense. So so we try to to keep the ball on our half. Obviously, your your focus is going to be on, on the national team in this, but is there a little part of your brain that allows yourself to think about uh, Team Esbjerg and the players, think about Estevana over at the Dutch team and, and the uh, Norwegian girls and, and keep an eye on them? I'd say 99.9% is the Danish team, but of course, uh, along with my job in, in Esbjerg also, of course, I have a, a little sight on what's happened in the other groups also and how the players from this they are doing. And I always hope they do good, just not against Denmark. Yeah, stay healthy, I guess that's the other thing. <laughs> Most important thing. So keeping an eye on the other groups then, is there any other teams in particular that have really stood out for you? No, not yet. I think the Norwegian team have just been doing great because their opponents haven't been that uh, high level just yet but now Holland and and uh, Sweden is coming and the same for the French team now they meet the Russians I'll be excited to see how these games are going to be because that's maybe the biggest two favorites for the world championship at all Norway and France so we'll keep an eye on them
But finally then uh, with Germany tomorrow, that's the, I get, well, hopefully will be the, the first big test for the team. We expect it to be a, a close one. What areas of the court do you think that you'll be able to really uh, you know, implant that style of play that you want and overpower them? I think the defense, the two defense. I think we have uh, the same kind of power in our defense, but they are more dynamic. We are more steady. We like to we like to allow some 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 shooting from outside, and they want to to overpower us just by the moves and the physics. So I think that's going to be exciting. And and all in all, the pace of the game I think will be maybe also one of the deciding points. So so let's see how who will run the fast break in the second half. I think they'll win. And you know Dean Eckler's uh, weak spots as well at this point. Yeah, and I'll tell all the things about it. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, thank you, Andrew. No problem. You can listen to the full interviews and see it in video mode on strikespiller.com. That was uh, a bit of a highlights from the two of them. How about that Denmark-Germany game, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, was it, what, could you call it a game? <laughs> I did. I it was just one of those. I feel like you get one of those almost, or something's more than one every championship, but at least one anywhere where you just uh, they just really weren't at the races at all. Jeremy just looked like they couldn't do anything right and made um, Reinhardt and goal look like the best keeper to ever play handball because <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was like did you ever play NBA Jam when you were growing yeah. up? on the SNES and you'd he's on fire it felt a little bit like that it was like a computer game where just you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't do anything against her and uh, and then you're tough sitting on the bench doing nothing do you know your captain it was just like you felt like they had so much more in the tank still that they didn't even really need to use in the end they did touch on it in the interview there they were saying we might not have the best starting seven but we do think we have the best 16 which is an interesting concept going into these quarterfinals because we saw today in some other games um, in uh, Netherlands Nor where there was a lot of ebbs and flows between the quality of the performance and you're thinking I think when the Dutch brought on certain players they didn't really have the quality there at certain points and if that's true what they're, what they're thinking when it, with this Danish team it's going to be very very interesting when they come up against because I do think they're going to they're going to beat Brazil handily enough I, I'd imagine and then we get to semi-finals, whether their big squad is going to come up trumps. What are you laughing at, Chris? No, I'm laughing at <laughs> I saw Alex's I, face. I, I, don't, I don't know. Brazil, Brazil are, uh, they've been good. And I think what you're saying about Denmark is, it's interesting because they, they're actually, they're fully built on their defense. I think they have the best defense and the best center block and the best goalkeepers in the tournament. And that has worked incredibly well. And especially Haugstad has been insane she's averaging three blocks a game and a steal as well she's really dominating so that works their attack just at times just doesn't work it it just flops and it comes down to what, what you said they don't have that player to take over they don't have a player that they look for um in the key, crucial moments to kind of bail them out you know they you know Annemette Hansen and Jurgensen can do it at times, but they're both of them are very inconsistent in tournaments like these, and they really rely on just kind of the set movements. Uh, it, it's kind of a really difficult one to analyze because there there has been a really big gap between their quality of defense and their quality of attack. 
And the defense has saved him so far. And, you know, they're very good on the fast breaks. But a dynamic attack like Brazil's, you know, this like really fast one-on-one play, Brunet Paula taking a one-on-one, that's something that is probably a little bit out of the comfort zone for this Danish defense and could shake them up. And so I see a much closer game than maybe you do. Uh, it's interesting about what you said about the attack there flopping because one of the most standout statistics at halftime in that game, first of all, I was kind of couldn't believe it's like, why are Germany still in this match? Because it was only a five goal difference at halftime. And I looked at the turnovers and Denmark actually had more turnovers in that first half than Germany did. And they had seven. And uh, then in the second half, they completely blew them away. In like the kind of counter to what you said about Brazil is like is the squad. I think the squad factor is going to be a big, going to play a big part in the game if Denmark and Jesper Jensen forces the style of play that they want to play. If they can play it at the pace they want to play, and basically make Brazil run, make them uh, fight, and then make them rotate the bench, I think that's going to be Denmark's biggest strength. And uh, yeah, it probably will be close enough, but I think Denmark will come away with it. And uh, I think they want a close game at this stage. There's only one match where they've conceded more than 20 goals. And that was was against the Koreans. It's phenomenal defense. It's really hard to know exactly how they'll stack up against a close challenge because they haven't had one yet. But um, it's bound to happen in the next couple of days. They can't keep winning by double digits for the whole championship, right? (laughs) (laughs) But but do you believe in this Denmark team? Do you believe to an extent that they're ready to win a championship? Yeah, I think think so. I think the attack, although it doesn't work perfectly all the time, I think they definitely have... They have enough options there. Every single player in the squad can attack in one way or another. I think Mia Hoyland is growing all the time in that Germany game. She looked really, really good as the playmaker. And Anna Meta Hansen will, will never do anything flashly, but in a tight game can produce something. There's a couple of really good right backs there as well. The wings look pretty good. Katrina Heindale on the line, she's really solid. So I think they have enough in attack to get it done but it'll be one on defense i'm not sure you know i i the reservations you had about france i probably have the same reservations about denmark and i probably i think i agree with alex as well i think when you come up against another team who also have a, a very deep squad i don't know I, I i could see them struggling against the likes of france and norway for example bronze medal written all over them i think <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we get to our predictions a bit later, but I just I I don't know. They just when when you do even even in certain parts of the Germany game when they were dominating so much, they did look a bit awkward also in attack at times. And I was thinking, this doesn't look like a a gold medal win team. There's a clip you can cut out now if I get this wrong, and you can post it all over <laughs> social media. But <laughs> just didn't seem like a championship winning side in attack. Uh, that's that's the biggest. Takeaway. I just I would have my reservations about them coming against against someone like France, who also have a very good defense and attack. So we'll have to see. Yeah. How about Spain against Germany? Somebody is going to be in floods of tears. It'll be the Germans with another promising yet failed campaign, or the hosts crashing out. I think it's very easy to write off Germany after that disastrous performance. 
And you do wonder a little bit when you've already qualified in the back of people's heads and you're thinking we have a quarterfinal coming up now. They didn't know who they were going to be playing, obviously, at that stage, but they did think we'd have a quarterfinal coming up. How much uh, they were pushing in that game, you don't know. I mean, it's, it's you can f- fool you a little bit into into thinking, into a false sense of security that they're maybe they looked or they were worse than they actually were. They could have been maybe, I don't know, in the back of their heads thinking about the quarterfinals. So it's difficult to say is where I'll leave that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was a very long answer for a very short, uh, for a very simple message. But I, w- I just want to say is I wouldn't read too much maybe into that disastrous performance because I think you, they can turn it around now for the, for the quarterfinal. Haven't seen a whole lot of Spain, I'll be honest. Yeah, and Spain coming out of the weakest quarter of the draw alongside brazil and this is what what i think is really interesting about every new phase of the competition is seeing teams from different groups finally colliding it's really hard to compare like relative stat like relative levels of performance until they finally meet each other how do you think it'll go alex i kind of agree with the general sentiment that it is it's really hard to judge and i i will again blame it on the format of the competition (laughs) <laughs> because uh, it feels like we've only, you know, Germany looked fantastic. They they were really flying. I was really impressed with them. And then the toughest game, you know, when they came up against a really top team, they absolutely floundered. And it's hard to know whether that was a one-off performance or their previous games were just at a different level. I think with Spain as well, um, they've had... They've been pretty consistent in the competition, but have they played the top team? I don't. I don't think so yet. And again, it's just so difficult to know whether their performances have been truly impressive or it's been the level of competition. And, and Spain haven't really made anything look that easy, though. You know, they haven't really destroyed teams uh, despite the seemingly low level they're facing. Uh, they looked fairly comfortable uh, from what I saw of the Brazil match, even though it was a close game in the end. They they managed to cruise a little bit, um, but yeah, they haven't. It feels like they haven't truly been tested. I mean, they beat beat Japan by a couple of goals, um, and yeah, at the German side, what I from what I can say, being here in the team hotel, is that they were they really didn't let the Denmark result get to them in the hotel after the game and and. This morning, when I saw them, they all seemed pretty chill. Uh, they managed to like brush it off, saying, "Yeah, we were absolutely shite. Now let's <laughs> let's move on. Let's play some handball. <laughs> let's play yeah, some it, handball it, now. it is an easier one to brush off. You can yeah. call that uh, just a bad day in the office. But on, on Spain, they haven't made it anything look too easy. But I think that is the Spanish style of handball." Yeah. Both on the men's and the women's side, when Spain got to the final of the last World Championship, yeah. again, they, they really battled the whole time. But those battles were helpful in the end when they came into the latter rounds and, you know, had real battles. They, they were ready for it. And maybe that's something we'll see <laughs> with Spain again. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Shandy Barbosa. Yeah, thirty-five still seems to be like playing magic. I mean, she is the top scorer in almost every game, if not in every game, at least every game in the main round. And um, she was the key for them two years ago. And you know, they're just like 
it, it is the last hurrah it feels like for a lot of these players I mean uh, I think some of them are going to stay around but a home championship they're not going to go down easy tomorrow night in uh, in Granier that's for sure I think it, it's going to be more of a test of Germany's will as well also the Germans talking a lot about referees already which worries me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) they're talking about referee involvement and I think once you get down that road you're you're not uh, not looking so smart what's the the word about ticket sales for that game are we expecting a a sold out I I was told that there were some advertisements for like clubs to get uh, like discounts for the quarterfinal day um, already today it looked like a bit more lively uh, I have a feeling it'll be I th- they can have up to 80% capacity which is 4,000 um, I think they'll be fairly close to that um, but yeah it's hard to know I mean they've been playing in a different part of the country for the whole time uh, they've rocked up to Granarier overall it seems like it's all building up pretty well like crowd wise and I've been positively surprised in that area so any any players that have stood out to you chris that have really impressed so far who'd be your mvp of the tournament so Ooh. far if you to pick one althea reinhardt <laughs> uh, getting over getting over 50 percent in every every game or 60 percent that time uh what alex what's that I was just going to say, uh, going back to what Brian mentioned, that she's like a video game. But it, what came to mind was, you know, when it in video games, you can make a player like 10 foot tall mm. and then they're just walking around and blocking everything and just dominating. That's what Altea Reinhardt playing feels like because she her limbs seem like they're twice as long as uh, a normal person. And she's just making herself so big in that goal. She has all her stats ma- maxed out. You know, those cheats where you'd be like, she'd be 100 or 100 and everything. Yeah, it's bonkers. Uh, Lena House that you mentioned already, I think she's been really good. Also, because she's like a, a devastating counter-attack player. She's really difficult to stop as well. Um, she's great one-on-one. Uh, and just kind of has created this new role where uh, it's kind of like what Lassa Anderson wants to be. You know, this main <laughs> defender who then can get the job done uh, on the counter-attack. On the Korean side, Lee Mi-gyong, I think, has been brilliant uh, playmaker. She's 30 now already. She's been around for a while, but I think she would uh, do very well in in Europe if she decided she want to, wanted to and was given the chance. And uh, Alina Griseels, I think, uh, even in the game where they were hammered by Denmark, she was uh, a standout player there. Uh, and Yamina Roberts from Sweden, who just seems to be getting better and better. It's uh, it's really impressive what she's doing, and I think that uh, she, yeah, she's not going to go down without a fight against the French. It was so, it's such a nice duo uh, with Yamina Roberts on one side and Hagman on yeah. the other on the other wing when she's not playing centre back because she's kind of can do everything you say, seemingly. Yeah. Um, but there was one there was one goal against the against Romania where the ball looked like. It was completely just going to go out over the sideline. She hops in, picks it up obviously from no angle, and then you have Hagman on the other side who comes in off the, uh, just around that first defender. Just knew exactly what she was going to do. Like they were kind of reading each other's minds, and then it was just the most beautiful goal. It looked like a, 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 like a chance from absolutely nothing it would have been gone for anyone else, and she just had the composure just to wait for Hagman to come around the defender. It was just beautiful. And Hagman has to be going for top goal scorer in a championship. I don't, yeah. I don't know. 
who has those stats, but her 19 goals in the um, group stage probably helped her. But she, she's got 62 goals so far, and I don't think she's stopping anytime soon. She, she's done that twice, uh, 19 goals twice already in the championship. <laughs> and uh, on the all-time top scorers in a single game for Sweden men and women she now holds all top five positions <laughs> yeah she she really loves playing against terrible teams that's for sure speaking of terrible teams we we got to see and again i'm digging into it but with kazakhstan and the way that group um <laughs> folded out it was really interesting to see just how much better the top teams are because when in those group stage matches, usually the top teams, you know, take their foot off the pedal very quickly and, you know, score about 40 goals. But when um, Sweden and Netherlands both needed to get as many goals as possible, they scored 55 and 61 goals. 61 mm-hmm. goals in a game is absolutely astonishing. Devastating stuff. Uh, still not the record. And... Uh... <laughs> People should look out for themselves look what up. that record is. We will not mention it. It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair to mention the record. We have fans from that country and friend who played in that game, so we won't mention it. On to the predictions. Quarterfinals. Who wants to go first? Oh, God. Okay. Um, I'll start with the easiest one. Easiest one would be Norway to beat Russia. Okay, that's fairly straightforward, I think. Uh, I'll go to the next easiest, in my opinion, would be Denmark to beat Brazil. I said Norway to beat Russia by six six goals. Uh, Denmark to beat Russia, uh, Brazil, sorry, Denmark to beat Brazil by three. Uh, next hardest then Spain and Germany. Mm, I'm going to say one goal for Spain plus one, and then France Sweden going to overtime, and France to win in overtime. Interesting. But I would like to see Sweden win somehow. So my heart says France Sweden. My brain says France. Okay. There you go. Very accurate predictions. If I get all them right now, I'd know what I win, but I hope I win something big. Win credits. I, I really... You, you gave... As you were going through them, and even when you're predicting your goals, you pretty much got my predictions dead on. <laughs> <laughs> so so bo- both of you are going for Denmark, Spain, France, Norway. And as you said, I think Sweden have a real chance, but France will. I, I think they'll do it in regular time. There you go. That's my difference. <laughs> I'm going sh- to shake things up here. Though. Hot takes here. Okay, I'm going to go Denmark to win by five, Germany to win by one, Sweden to win by two, Norway to win by eight. All right. It's a Scandi German semi final lineup for me. I just hope Russia don't win now. Oh, this was, we have to <laughs> delete this episode from the internet. <laughs> Actually, what, what, one more thing, Chris. What, have, has there been any news on the four Cameroon players that no, disappeared yeah, how do we from not the hotel? This? How do we not mention this? Oh, my goodness. Uh, no, not that I've heard. Yeah, four Cameroon players have made a break. I'm guessing they've made a break for France. Um, but Cameroon managed to win today. So... All's well that ends well. (laughs) (laughs) But anyone who doesn't know, uh, four Cameroon players disappeared before their last two games in the tournament and were seen getting in a taxi and never return again. 
that, the reason why I'm laughing is it's not. I don't think they've been kidnapped. I think they've just made a break for it. Uh, they've tried to escape. It's a modern day Sri Lankan handball team, as Brian rightly mentioned. If you don't know what that is, on our YouTube channel, there is a video about that Sri Lanka uh, escape into Europe. So uh, yeah, we could have a film made about it someday. But it's not the. I mean, it's happened. You know, it happens in sports, is it? Unfortunately, teams from like uh, Cuba or Africa or maybe some places in Asia, their players defect uh, and disappear. So good luck to those four players. I hope they, they stay safe and make a career for themselves in France. Here's a tip for everyone before you go. Now that all the games are going to be in Granarier, listen out if you can for the hall announcer. He is the worst hall announcer I've ever heard in my life. Every second goal or save he gets wrong. <laughs> He's like, and it's a goal for number three, bloody blah. Correction. It's a goal for number 36. Blah, blah. And it's like, goal by la la la. And four seconds later, no goal. <laughs> and it's not even like a goal being disallowed it's a save being made (laughs) so he sounds was he the guy he sounds fantastic on the game today it's the same guy for every game in Granary yeah Yeah. Yeah. he sounds fantastic but he has no idea what's going on Um, (laughs) in the arena it's it's hilarious and it, it got to the point where in the game between Germany and Denmark last night I heard about 10 meters away Sasha Stadt exclaim no when he got the wrong player <laughs> so he's even annoying the journalists at this stage <laughs> uh, that's funny because i was listening to the game today and i was thinking god that whole announcer is good but i wasn't listening to what he was no, saying at all no. i was just hearing the, the his tone of voice i was like god he's really giving it sucks, tone of voice but just is amazing but he's an idiot anyway there you go yeah. there's a tip for you all uh, listen out to that and uh, get in touch with your mistakes that you hear over the next few days enjoy the quarterfinals good night mm-hmm.